no helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I never said he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a <laughs> How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag. And I have high hopes for the swag bag. Trap. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trash. What's happening, folks? Welcome back, Beltway Golfer, episode 16, Alex Dixon here. Gonna keep the uh, intro short. This is our longest episode to date. Um, we sat down with Joe House, also known as House from DC, host of two very popular podcasts, um, Fairway Rollin' on golf and uh, House of Carbs on his love of eating and food, uh, both a part of the uh, extremely successful network of podcasts and blogs founded by his longtime close friend, Bill Simmons, The Ringer. Um, House is a native of the DMV, still lives in, still lives in DC, um, fanatic uh, about golf, knows a lot about uh, golf in this area, has been, has been golfing at courses uh, for a long, long time. Uh, we covered a lot of different topics. We sat down for a while. He's not afraid of the mic. Um, and so he was, you know, we, we, I had to edit it down to get it under an hour. We, we chatted for a while. Uh, but before I get to it, um, over my left shoulder, if you're watching this, you'll see uh, a Bellway Golfer t-shirt. It's our first ever piece of merchandise. Getting into the merch game, uh, trying to get a little, little revenue going to support this podcast and some of the things that we want to do going forward. So uh, if you're a fan and you want to support the show, uh, check it out, BellwayGolfer.com. Uh, hopefully this is the first of uh, more things to come as far as uh, cool uh, DC golf related gear. Um, but that's it. Let's get to it. Uh, episode 16, Joe House. Enjoy. East Potomac. We're out here in uh, southwest DC, nation's capital, at East Oak Park with, uh, with Joe House. House from DC. <laughs> the people's golf course. The people's golf course. That's absolutely right. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. We are, uh, do you go by Alex or do you go by Beltway Golfer? Uh, it's funny that I, I, I definitely go by Alex. Okay, I do good. not go. When I started Beltway Golfer, the idea was that I was not the Beltway Golfer. Beltway Golfer was supposed to be like a community. Yeah, just Beltway, which is meaning anybody. But but my buddies have now started to call me Beltway in a mocking fashion. Oh, well, that's <laughs> I kind of like it. I, it I, if I call you Beltway in a non-mocking fashion, it, it has a certain you know allure. It has a certain appeal. So, and 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 your friends. So so most folks probably know you as House from DC. But I mean, are you outside of kind of the podcast world, your buddies call you Joe or House? I'm House. You're House. I'm House. You're I've been House. house. It's just easier. You sure. know, when I go into Starbucks, I'm House because well, it's like you, you. Well, Joe, Joe doesn't really distinguish who it could be. There could be ten Joes sure. in Starbucks. <laughs> There's most likely only one House. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so we're, I'm sitting out here with you right now. One of the reasons is you know this is this is a DC golf show. Yes. And you you you're a DC. You're House from DC. So. Are you, are you native? I am, I'm a native uh, in the sense that I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. Okay. I went to high school in the district, and I've lived in the district for 25 years, and my son was born in the district. So I understand how important it is to be appropriate about claiming you know, citizenship. Sure. And so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a resident of the district. I love the district. DC is in my blood. I've rooted for all the teams my whole life, um, but I grew up in Maryland. 
You're a native of the area. A native of the I, area. I'm, I'm in, granted, I mean, granted, I'm I grew up in the uh, in the suburbs as well. I also grew up in Montgomery County. Um, I'm not too much of a stickler for that reason, <laughs> as far as so the, the, you're, you're a native of the area. So you've you've been in the DMV basically your entire life. Oh yeah, except for when I went away to college. Otherwise, and, that's it. I love it. And so and and you live in the area now. I do. I live in the district. And so um, one of the reasons a, a lot of folks are, are familiar with your work is I think you just touched on it when you went over to college you had you, you made a good friend and, and a college roommate that uh, knows this medium pretty well I uh, he has some people call him the podfather I've heard that this this this, this these days um, yeah so I my second year of college ended up in a dorm at the College of the Holy Cross that was the last co-ed floor in the history of the college, and somehow I was there and Bill Simmons was there. I don't know whether or not it had anything to do with the fact that there were girls on our floor, but uh, neither one of us had any luck with the girls. What we had luck with was getting along very well uh, on the topics of basketball and barbecue. So we came, became fast friends as um, pals that would, the, the dorm that we lived in was the closest dorm to the field house, the so, okay. so-called field house, sure. which was an awesome venue for informal pickup and for intramural. And we played um, hundreds of hours of pickup basketball together. And many times we would finish, jump in the car and go downtown for a little barbecue in Worcester, Massachusetts, the uh, the hotbed of barbecue, but it's just it's not at all. But it's what we we liked, and that's what we did. I was gonna say, I actually drove. I, I drove and stopped with my family in Worcester, Massachusetts, just this summer on the way back from Maine, and uh, but we stopped at a Wendy's. We didn't we didn't, <laughs> we, didn't we didn't have any great barbecue. Uh, so so before we get into the golf, so I, I wore my. Am I wearing my Wizards? Hat? I, I love I, it. I, you I are. Got, yeah, I got my Wizards go. hat on. You're repping. So you're t- you're talking hoops, and so um, I think based on some some earlier conversation, you you might. Uh, be just a, a smidge older than I am. So I was I was born in this area, but I was way too young. I mean, I was like I was one essentially when the when the when the bullets yes won their title yes. So do you, do you remember that? Not no? only do I remember it, um, I my very first basketball game ever was the game seven in 1978 against the San Antonio Spurs that the Bullets won to advance to the NBA. You weren't at that game. I was at that game. You were at that game. It's the first basketball game. You were ever at. It was game seven. The first professional basketball game I ever attended, 1978. Hey, Joe, you want to go to a game? Let's, I've never been to one. Let's just start with game seven. The well, I had a classmate, a pal, and he and his dad somehow came into tickets. I think somebody had given the dad the tickets, and he's like, he knew even then that I was a hoop head, you know, nine yeah. years old back then. Nine? Yeah. And, you know, we, we uh, it's like, yeah, I want to go. And his dad drove us up there, and it was me and my pal and the dad, and what a game. Unbelievable. Yeah. So obviously that was at the Cap Center. It was at the Cap Center. Um, that's incredible. I mean, what, what an introduction to professional basketball. Well, I, I had a huge interest also in college basketball. Mm-hmm. I grew up two miles from the University of Maryland, the campus there. Okay. So I'm a I'm, I'm huge Terps fan and yeah. was lucky enough to go to a ton of games at Cole Fieldhouse. And so, you know, that, that was really what clinched my interest in, in basketball. Did I misspeak then earlier when I said I was from Montgomery County also? Or did, did you grow up in PG County? No, I grew up in Montgomery County. Oh, you did. Okay. But you right can right go, in, yeah, right on the edge. Right on East West Highway. They, I, I was up University boulevard okay yeah, like in it. the uh, four corners area yeah i know it well yeah the four is it four corners pub is it still there the, the it or, is uh, it is, is. is that what's called now uh 
Golly Wally, I'm going to blow it, and I, my brother's going to be so mad at I've me. I've been there a million times. Gets, it's not called Four Corners. It's, it's at not. Four Corners. Yes. But it's called something else. And right. I get there. And I was about to say stained glass, but that's not it. No, stained glass is up Laytonsville Road. Yep. And yeah. Whatever. We're going to have to look that up, and I'll, I might add, I'll, I'll add it in at a dubbed voice where we, where we, get, the, where we get the name right. Um, maybe it is Four Corners, but. But in any case, um, so you're, you're big. So the Terps were big back then, too. I mean, you, I mean, they were unbelievable. Yeah. An unbelievable run for my youth through high school and you know i was lucky enough to see 10 len bias games so at you, coalfield house at coalfield house. yeah so we're, we're, you weren't in college then were you? i was yeah. in high school when he passed i was in high school when he got drafted by the celtics sure. and then you know had the, the cocaine overdose yeah. and it was a, a devastating devastating day i can sure. still remember the circumstances under which i got the news my mom told me it was uh pretty early in the morning and this was in the mid 80s so I was hungover and because as a, I, this was still the era where uh, the legal drinking age was 18 and I was close enough to that. Sure. Not quite, but um, yeah. Good yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that's a moment. I mean, I was, I think I was in elementary school. So my, my, I, I remember where I was when I heard the news, but it wasn't, it wasn't a great story. I think a buddy told me as we were walking over from school or something. Mm. But yeah, it's one of those moments around here where everybody remembers where they were. Yeah, yeah. If you had any connection at all to Maryland or were just a fan of the program, that's right. Yeah. And, and you've done, um, is it with Ryan Rossillo and, and Bill Simmons, a couple uh, podcasts recently where you guys go back and kind of analyze specific games, like but one game. I think I heard one where you did uh, maybe the Bulls versus the Bullets, like 97, maybe? 90, yeah, so 96? the uh, onset of the pandemic back mm -hmm. in March um, took everybody's planning around, you know, NBA game content and threw it right out the window. So uh, Simmons, to his credit, and, and the whole Ringer team, you know, as they do, got creative around, you know, what can we talk about that's going to be interesting to people as everybody tries to figure out what the hell's going on sure. and you know they uh kind of landed on two things um that uh you know it was a very nice coincidence so espn had in its back pocket the last dance the michael jordan 10-part documentary yep. and they fast forward it was it wasn't supposed to come out until june right and in view of what was happening with the pandemic and it wiped out all of their programming they pushed up the, the release date. And in connection with that, Simmons and, and Rosillo and the Ringer NBA team came up with two concepts. One was the rewatchables, mm -hmm. where we watched old Bulls games, and the other was redraftables, where we, they, we took under consideration and review drafts from the 90s and into the early 2000s and said, where, where were the mistakes made? You know, how, how could we fix this? But one of the rewatchables games was indeed a 1997 Bullets-Bulls game. Maybe I listen to that. You guys go way deep into it. Well, I, I mean, it was a great era yeah. for the for the for the bullets. It was a very exciting time, and I had season tickets then um, out at the Cap Center mm -hmm. because um, me and my brothers had gone in together on a package. We wanted to have tickets when the stadium moved downtown, yep. so we wanted to be in on the ground floor for that. And so we had, like back in '95, we bought tickets together. We were going out there to all those bullets games. Chris Weber, Jawan sure. Howard, Rod Strickland, sure. Georgie Murasan, Tracy Murray, Calvert Cheney. Calvert Cheney. <laughs> it was a good era. Yeah. A good era. 
Yeah, they a good time. Young Ben Wallace, young Young Rashid Wallace, Young Rashid, all of it, all, all kinds of guys. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I went to one of those games. I, I always forget if it was '96 or '97 when the the Bulls came here. They swept in the first round. They swept the Bullets. Yes. But me and a buddy went out. We went. I guess it would have been Game Three because I think it was a three-zero series, a five-game series. And but what was so memorable about it, me and my buddy are there, and we're we're just maybe just out of high school. And at the end of the game, it's a sweep. And this is kind of, this whole story is indicative of the, of the way the team was marketed in the 90s. At the end of the game, bullets are going home after getting swept, and confetti, at the cap center, <laughs> confetti fell from the roof. Yeah. And I, it, for some reason, that stuck with me. Like I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah, that's, that, that, that's right. The participation trophy confetti. That's right. We, we participated against the bulls. <laughs> Hooray! That's right. Um, so uh, does, Bill, does Simmons golf much? You know, he has started in the last handful of years, and really this is the origin story for how I got, um, you know, the, the good fortune of having anything to do with a golf podcast. I'd been after Simmons for a long time to rekindle his connection to golf. He grew up as a kid in New England um, and had some golf in his background. He caddied mm-hmm. um, for a while at a couple places up there when he was in high school. And he played and had a, had then and still has a good golf swing. He um, gave up the game uh, in you know those high school to, to early adult days because he didn't have the patience for it. He, uh, he would get too frustrated. Sure. He's an extraordinarily competitive person. And if he can't, he, if there's no possibility of him being the best mm-hmm. at something, he back then, yeah. he didn't have the patience to, to stick with it. Um, that happens to a lot of guys, I think, at that age, especially when you're just kind of figuring out. If you're, if you, if one, as soon as you start getting frustrated, I have a couple of buddies like that. And then early on, their clubs ended up in a pond. And that's it. That was it. There uh, you, you go. That, that's, that's the Bill Simmons story also. And also... His love of basketball, you know, sure. he knew that he loved basketball, and that that was the thing that he spent hours and hours and hours playing. So when did you like? Uh, were you a golfer as a, you know, in high school? So I I grew up really uh, in Silver Spring. I live I don't know uh, a mile and a quarter from the Sligo Creek Golf Course, mm-hmm. right there uh, off of uh, Dennis Avenue and Sligo Creek Parkway, yep. and I was a lifeguard at a small community pool in Montgomery County. Um, with a group of guys, and we would wake up uh, weekday mornings at you know five thirty or six, and we would either go to Sligo or down to Rock Creek. Yep. We ended up going to Rock Creek a lot more than Sligo because there was a lot more competition at Sligo for the first balls in the air, yep. and because there's only nine holes at Sligo, mm-hmm. you had to like just get in the queue, sure, and we wouldn't sure. we weren't willing to get up early enough to get into the queue. But Rock Creek, because of the two nines, you could work out a, a way to get off a nine one way or the yeah. other at 6.30 in the morning before we had to go be at the pool. But Sligo Creek, I mean, that's, that's still, I guess they're getting threatened a little bit now with expansion of the Beltway potentially. Right? I've, I've heard that, but I mean, they've, they've withstood all threats, all incoming, because they, they thought about putting Montgomery Blair there for, for a little bit. You that's know, right. when, when Montgomery Blair down in this lower Montgomery County moved up to Four Corners, yep. um, one of the, the potential destinations was Sligo, and it is beautiful property. It would have been beautiful for the school, but enough of, of uh, the community rallied around preserving the golf course that the golf course is still going strong uh there i also played quite a bit out at northwest park at yeah. the inside nine yeah that was another good loop where you could go around with pals and not worry sure. about holding anybody up or you know yeah. quality of play or anything like that which is that's yeah that's still going they still of course the inside, yeah yeah 
So you mentioned you went to the school in D.C. Yeah, you're a Gonzaga guy. I'm a Gonzaga guy. Yeah. Did they? they I imagine. I don't even. I should know this. They they must have a good golf team. Right? They have a, an outstanding golf team yeah. now, and like over the last 15 years or so. When I was in school, they had a, a good golf team, but like golf and lacrosse were still back in the 80s up and coming sports, mm -hmm. and there weren't like not not every high school in the area had golf teams. Not every high school in the area had lacrosse team. So uh, I think lacrosse might have even started off as a club sport. Golf was a varsity sport when I was at Gonzaga, but like the quality of play and the competition and, and all of it now, you know, none of the kids, maybe one kid from that era when I was in high school could play on the Gonzaga golf team now. Now they're like, they're D1 level kids. Right, right. Um, interesting. So, um, so you go to you go to Holy Cross. You you, you know you 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 and Simmons become close. Um, Simmons, you know he's he becomes this media giant. He's credited as, as kind of you know or getting the whole podcast world going as the Podfather. But it was really way before that. He was one of the first big sports bloggers, and he he, he was crazy credited for. He was kind of a pioneer. Pioneer. That's in, the word I'm in, for. in terms of being a guy who is willing to try new mediums and new technologies. And he was, he went to journalism school up in Boston at Northeast University mm -hmm. and then got a degree and then went to work immediately at, I think, uh, what's not, not the Globe, the other Boston, Herald. Um, the Herald. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was basically like behind, you know, 15 middle-aged white guy <laughs> columnist yeah. Yeah. and he and saw like there's no way he was doing he was on a high school beat and he loved it he was going yeah. around to the local um boston area high school basketball games and doing feature stories and that kind of thing but he always had in his sights doing um commentary being uh, a, a pundit and he had that he was very popular at our school on our school newspaper yeah. so he had a column at the school newspaper he was a columnist uh at, at on our school newspaper and he also was doing um football and basketball games for holy cross on our local radio station right. um but when he after he got his degree uh, uh, in journalism and was working at the Herald for a bit um aol.com came along and basically it's like they didn't pay anything, but if you want to write for free, you can do it, and there are no um, uh, restrictions on length. So if you have a perspective on something and you want to be... You want to go 10,000 words, have at it. Go do it, right. yeah. And so he was able to kind of get his reps that way. He, it was a volunteer job, essentially. Yeah. No, Almost no money whatsoever. And he built a little following because of, you know, his, the, his innate sense for what a sports fan likes and yeah. you know just sort of giving a voice to to the regular sports fan yeah being a little bit more irreverent and and you know sounding a little bit different than than what you read by the like as you put it middle middle-aged white guys in the paper or on tv doing the games yeah so you're doing multiple podcasts it's true you've 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 been doing you've been part of the ringer for for some time now since it started uh, we're, we're talking about bill you know kind of launching you know slowly kind of building up his, his, his media empire if you want to call it right have you been kind of you know working with him this whole time or did you, you know i i kind of you know I've, I've heard him reference house from dc for years and years and years and years and years right so yeah i've, I've been a character in the simmons universe since really since the aol digital city uh days okay because we would uh as as lots and lots and lots of guys get on the phone we had old phones 
phones that you dial or press buttons on, yeah. not cell phones, yeah. and just rant about games. We would watch games and then get on the phone with each other and yell at each other for an hour about what we just watched as avid sports fans. And that was the way, you know, we were huge baseball fans, huge basketball fans, huge NFL fans, and huge hockey fans, and both DC and Boston, when we were together, were in kind of down periods, um, mm -hmm. sports-wise, in that in that sort of you know late '80s, early '90s sure. period. Boston managed to, to to correct direction, fix that, uh, and and has you know <laughs> and then some. been in a, on a tear. <laughs> the District of Champions is on the come up sure, though. Yeah, we we got the, the you know the World Series. We got uh, the Stanley Cup. The women, Mystics, the women sure. absolutely went yeah, WNBA sure. champs. So we're, we're, we're catching up, but we still got a ways to go to get to Boston. But like that was, you know, he in those early days at AOL would be like, um, you know, I talked to House and, you know, he would sort of share some of the stuff that was the substance of our conversation. Yeah. Um, what was your first podcast? Like so when you had your own podcast? Again, to his credit, when he arrived at ESPN. So ESPN um, read a story that he wrote back when he was at AOL's uh, Digital City Boston that was critical of the ESPYs. And they thought it was so funny and clever and, and you know, had the right level of... of uh, you know, combination of, of good humor and, and incisive uh, criticism, yeah. they hired him. And so he started writing for ESPN back in like, I don't know, early 2000s. And in 2007, the podcast technology kind of arrived as a thing. Mm -hmm. And he was at ESPN and he went to them. They were doing no podcast at all, yeah. none. This and he is went, when he was writing like on was it page two? Was he that, was doing yeah. page two, and yeah. then page two ended up getting folded into made page stuff. And I don't remember um, yeah, yeah. that whole timeline. Okay. But in 2007, the podcast technology uh, sort of arrived on the scene, and he took a look at it. And it's like I want to, I want to try this. I want to yeah. see. And they sure. said, okay, sure, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. And you know, the great um, support and infrastructure of ESPN meant that he had access to upper upper echelon sports folks and at that point in time obviously you know there wasn't great traction with podcasts so he was like just again getting reps with yeah. you know learning his own voice learning what worked interviewing people one of his worst experiences in interviews should i wait i think you're fine I think okay. that, that adds to it <laughs> it's a, it is authentic i mean sure. the, the washington monuments that way the yeah. Marine barracks are that way, yeah. and there are the helicopters. Um, but he uh, interviewed Tony Stewart in one of the first handful of pot, the, the, the NASCAR guy. Yeah. And Tony Stewart had never heard of Bill Simmons, and Bill Simmons didn't have anything to do with NASCAR. And it was a flat um, uh, interview, and Stewart was kind of a dick. And Bill's like, I learned something today. <laughs> you don't just say yes and, and interview any old guy off the street. Um, yeah. You know, you have to have a part, point of view. You have to know something about the, yeah. the subject. And yeah. that was a, a, a good, instructive moment for him. But very early on in the podcasting, he started calling me up mm -hmm. and saying, hey, I'm going to tape this conversation, basically. Right. And it's the same phone conversations we've been having since we were, you know, 18, yeah. 19 years old. 
in college, you know, yeah. on break at college, and can you believe this baseball game or this basketball game? And it's almost no different when you, you know, you got a radio show that you really like, and you got a, you know, recurring character, a recurring caller that calls up, and he's always riffing on something. You were that guy. It's, it's a lot easier to do when it's recorded and you yes, know, in a podcast. That's exactly right. Interesting. So I started getting some reps with him back in that 2008, 2009 time, and he was like calling me up at my my day job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for the government for about you know, almost ten years. Uh, as a lawyer, and he's like, you know, do you have a half hour to talk about this uh, <laughs> this Wizards game or this Bulls game? I'm like, yeah, I have time. Let's do it. You know, it's lunchtime. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so that was, and, and then uh, as he went along at ESPN and his own star, um, you know, rose up and, and podcasts kind of, you know, got to be more and more of a thing, he involved me um, a lot more and he started off with the, the, the BS podcast mm-hmm. uh, at ESPN, which became yeah. very popular. And, you know, I, I got to be a kind of a recurring character on those. Yep. Um, and then when he left ESPN in 2015, he took like a six-month break, and he re-arrived on the media scene in the fall of 2015. And the very first thing he did was restart the podcast, the Bill Simmons podcast. He had Cousin Sal on the first one. Mm-hmm. He had Judd Apatow on the second one. And he had me on the third one. And we've been podcasting ever since. I love it. Yeah. When, so it wasn't until The Ringer that you, you officially kind of had your own Podcast? Well, and, and it was actually kind of like bef- it was right as the rigor was coming into existence mm-hmm. um, because he re-arrived on the scene with the Bill Simmons podcast and it, it really hit the ground running. It was super popular in the fall of 2015, early 2016. Callaway reached out to Simmons out of the blue and said, yo, we want to do something with you. Yeah. We don't know what it is, but we want to do something. They had Jeff Shackelford, yep. uh, the, the golf commentator, author, yep. uh, architect, yep. super impressive um, golf resume. He mm-hmm. was under umbrella at Callaway. Mm-hmm. They said, we have this guy. We have the, an idea for a podcast. What do you think? And Simmons is like, I'm not really that connected to golf but my buddy House has been gambling on golf for 15 years. I may have a guy. Yeah, I may have a guy. Right. And, you know, I, I was not just gambling, also an avid, avid player. Sure. I'm, I'm a volume player. Sure. I, I, I'm a quantity over quality kind of uh, golfer. Sure. Still double-digit <laughs> handicapper to this day. But uh, he reached out, I was like, do you want to do a golf pod? And I'm like, yeah, I want to do a golf pod. Sure, let's give it a try. What, what could possibly go wrong? So we got on the phone with Jeff Shackelford. Jeff at that time was working on the architecture, the renovation of LACC North yep, okay. with Gil Hans, because yep, Jeff was working with Gil Hans in, in a partnership. And he called me one, one day driving off, off site. And he's like, hey, man, how you doing? And um, we got along great. And, uh, you know, there was a, a sort of a, a, a natural um, framework there is like Jeff is kind of the, um, the established golf presence, the guy who really knows what the hell he's talking about. And then me as an aficionado of the game, a lover of the game, um, willing to sort of learn some of the ins and outs of, of the tour and, yeah. and, you know, just basically, uh, using Jeff as, as a, uh, you know, as a foil mm-hmm. for me as kind of the, the golf everyman sure. uh, with the golf expert. And it was really fun. I loved it. Yeah, no, it was, it was really enjoyable. And, uh, and so you also brought obviously some some gam- gambling acumen to the to the to the show. I, w- I acumen might be overstating <laughs> it, but definitely interest, some enthusiasm, enthusiasm yeah. for around, sure. Around yes. gambling. yeah. Um, and so Shack House was on for from 2016 all the way to the end of 2018, yeah. um, and then 
uh, Jeff and Callaway, you yeah. know, um, kind of parted ways and uh, the ringer wanted to stay in the, the golf podcast space. So I, you know, hung on through 2019 and we did a bunch of shows with a lot of different ringer personalities and, um, you know, uh, uh, guests in the pro golf world. Um, and then this year we um, were prepared to be doing kind of a regular season until a global pandemic struck. And um, we have, uh, we, we started the show back up in June and uh, Nathan Hubbard, who uh, is the older brother of PGA Tour player Mark Hubbard, um, has been a friend for a long time. We've known Nathan and, and played golf with Gabe, Nathan a whole bunch of times. Pretty successful guy in his own right. Pretty successful guy <laughs> in his own right, yeah. For his walk of life, former CEO of Ticketmaster, yeah. you know, um, just sold a business. Uh, he started a company and sold it to Ticketmaster. Yeah, he? that's exactly right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but he had some time on his hands and sure. uh, he had a really unique perspective about how the PGA Tour was going to um, try and conquer, you know, the pandemic and, and proceed successfully with its own sort of concept of a bubble. It's not like a hard bubble the way the NBA has been a bubble yeah but um so and and he and I have been friends for a long time so there's always that natural chemistry that matters for podcasts is are you friends with the person you're talking to yeah and he and I are great friends so it's been fun that's that's great um you know I'm sure some folks especially listeners of of Shack House and fans of both uh both you and Shackelford you guys are still friendly you guys are where we haven't had like contact um, recently, but I still follow Jeff uh, on all of the social media. I read his blog um, religiously. Love Jeff, yep. so you know, yeah, sure. No ill will. No ill will at yep. all. Um, so fairway rolling. Fairway. I mean, I, I I can you know from. It's interesting about podcasts is, and, and maybe you're new to this. I'm, I'm new to the podcast game. I've only been doing this for since the pandemic started. So oh, I'm, not, I'm like four months in. I, 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 no, I mean, it's very impressive what you've been pulling, the, pulling off here, well, I, that I, way. <laughs> it's been a great job. You're doing a great job. I appreciate that. But, but one of the things, it, it's always tricky to they kind of figure out like how popular other shows are. Like you, everybody, you can see your own metrics very easily, but, and I'm sure there's ways, I just haven't figured them out yet. But one thing it's clear from the, the few ways that I do know is Fairway Rolling is up there. You guys, you guys get a, a lot of a lot of listens. You have a huge audience. Um, you guys pump out uh, shows. Well, we we do the best we can. I mean, it's nice of you to say, uh, you know, the compliment around the popularity of it. I mean, you know, part of that for sure comes from the fact that the Ringer platform is is a nice distribution sure. <laughs> platform, yeah. and we do the best we can. Um, but you know, I tip of the hat to to guys like No Laying Up. Tip yeah. of the hat to the Fried Egg guys. Love sure. the Shotgun Start. Brendan and Andy do a great job. What's almost remarkable is how many golf podcasts are out there. Yeah, like well, if you go on iTunes and you scroll down, because I, I, I scroll down because I'm trying to find mine because I'm towards. <laughs> but it, it's just it's the, the amount of number, um, just the, the sheer volume of just golf. I mean, let alone every other industry, every other topic that sure. you have a podcast on. Yeah. Just golf. I mean, it's in the hundreds. It's, it it's it dawned wild. on people like I think in the, like the last 24 months, the barrier to entry for podcasts, not very high. Not very if you high. have the equipment and, you know, a little bit of, of savvy, a little bit of understanding of, of you know, some basic public publishing, yeah. tech publishing, digital publishing stuff. You can do it. Uh, the, the Ringer Network also recently got purchased. It did. Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the Ringer and Joe Rogan. 
The yeah. Ringer and Joe Rogan. That's I mean, uh, pretty good. A couple, a pretty couple, good company. A couple solid purchases yeah. by uh, Spotify. But has that changed anything on, on your guys as far as the as, as Joe House and doing his podcast? So far, no. I yeah. haven't gotten any notes asking me to tone anything down. I'm okay. still yelling at top volume. Yeah. Um, so I I, ex- I expect any day now for them to say you know that the, the gig is up. Um, all right. So um, I, I want to dive into uh, to. to the DMV here and yeah. the golf here, um, but one of the things we're gonna I want to kind of skew it on because you, you do have another podcast that's not golf related. Um, you're 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 a bit of a foodie. I yeah. well, food. I would never call myself a foodie. I am an enthusiastic eater. There you go. I've been I, in, I like that better. I don't even like that. The, the term foodie is kind of yeah yeah because that that implies a certain level of understanding, comprehension. <laughs> now I don't have any of that. What sure. I know is a great plate of food in front of my face and how much I enjoy it and how much I want it to to go for the second plate. Sure. That's really what sure. the, the the show is about. So, and the show being the House of Carbs. House of Carbs. House of Carbs. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, which I've listened to many times. It's uh, pretty entertaining. Um, so, bringing it back to, to, to local golf, um, well, let, let's start off. So, so, so what, what are some of your some courses that you like around here? Where, where, where do you play a lot? Well, I used to keep my handicap right here at East, East Potomac Stone. Park. Yeah. I mean, for, for years and years and years, my, yeah. my handicap was, was right here. Now, the, the hilarious thing is, you know, um, D.C. doesn't have its own status and standing on the uh, USGA network. So you, you're, 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 you're Maryland, Maryland. Right? Yeah, yes. Right. Yes. So I was keeping a handicap in the Maryland system, even though I was right here. Uh, in the nation's capital, but um, that's like me. I live in Virginia. East Potomac is the closest course to my house. I, don't, I, I used to keep my, my handicap here as well. I don't anymore. But it was interesting because I'm, I'm living right here. It's the closest course to my house. Yeah, and that's Maryland. Yeah, it's Maryland. That's exactly right. I'm glad to hear that as a as a Virginia person. I'm married to a, a woman from Virginia. That's why I live in the district. She she won't move to Maryland. And I will never move to Virginia. And so we've been together the entire time, right here, splitting it down the middle. That's interesting. But the uh, yeah, so East Potomac is obviously near and dear to my heart. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds. The diversity here is incredible and yep. and by diversity i'm not just talking about people from different walks of life i'm talking about like the experience of of golf here it's it's every type of golfer male female international domestic it's part of the beauty of washington dc mm-hmm. is like the diversity of experience that this area offers up and you know you can on any given day walk down here and play with uh, an irish kid who's over here for, for a job, and a guy that, that is, you know, uh, moved here from Australia two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, or, or you can play with, you know, a, a judge right here at the district, you know, m- m- municipal sure. court, yeah. and, and two lawyers, you know, who are coming down on their, their lunch break, sneaking away for a couple hours <laughs> of, of billable time. It's part of, of you know, the, the immense unique charm of this place and then DC kind of writ large. So like yeah. that experience I think is very particular to this place, this facility, East Potomac Park, yeah. which, you know, the, 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 the amazing renovation that's coming from the National Links Trust yeah. guys and all credit to Mike and Will and yeah. all of their whole team on putting together this, the successful uh, proposal to, to renovate this facility and keep it a facility for the people here, Rock Creek Park and Langston. I'm just so impressed by their commitment to it. I've, you know, 
tried to do my part in terms of money donations um, and, and you know somewhere along the way there should be an opportunity to do other kinds of donations but Langston is a is a gem yeah. it's a gem I yeah. played there 50 times in, in my life you know yeah. and, and part of my um, real when I really caught the bug I grew up playing in high school I really caught the bug in law school because it was a much better alternative to studying sitting in a library on a beautiful sunny sure. September day yeah. uh, go catch the 18 and then we can get to the studying in the <laughs> evening um, but uh, um, you know, for, for I went to law school at, at Catholic University and lived in the district while I was attending. And basically, the rule was any golf course within 90 minutes, we would we would be willing to go play. So lots of times it was here. It was Sligo. It was Northwest Park. Could you ever get because is um, is Catholic is the law school? Is it right near the on main the campus? campus? Yep. So that's right next door. Is the um, yep. the, the Armed Forces it Soldiers is. Home? Course. Yes. Yep. Were you ever able to get out there much? I played um, once, but I I uh, didn't play that while I was in law school. I um, so they opened up the they have a membership there and they yep. opened it up to the you know to folks in the neighborhoods and I was friends with a guy in the neighborhood. I've played there a whole slew of times also. So I didn't get to play there while I was in law school, though. Yeah, um, yeah. They've got a they've got a funny membership. Last time I looked at it was anybody that's a me- and it's I want to say it's like less than a thousand bucks. It's not, uh, oh, it's, super it's, it's inexpensive. Not, it's not much, uh, but it comes with it. You have to. It's like almost like community service. There's like a thirty hours of like maintenance that every member has got to do on the course. Yes, yes. Um, as part of membership, which is pretty funny. But that's yeah. that's a cool little facility. Hopefully, yeah. I'd love, hopefully at some point that becomes a little bit more open. I don't know if that's ever that'll ever happen. I, I don't know. It's an it's an incredibly um, beautiful resource right in the heart of, of the city. Yeah, that's really unknown, untrod sort of territory. So I, some of the charm is how. Um, you know, special it feels um, situated within the community. It's a little haven, a little oasis. Do you have ever so so your your love of food and your um, and your love of golf? Uh, any 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 particular food items at golf courses? That I mean, get- right here, the, the 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 bacon cheeseburger. So you don't have to get bacon on it. Sure, but I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. So I I do. Obviously, this this place is, yeah, is got, absolutely terrific. They've got good fear. What my, my go to in the morning is the, um, the half smoked egg and cheese. Y- yes, I mean, I mean, yes, iconic, you, you legendary. No, no, you wear wear. That's exactly right. And it is a very on brand DC item. Langston, bacon, egg, cheese, jelly. I was introduced to that concept over at Langston. That's hilarious. I'm Don't, <laughs> sweet and savory. That <laughs> sure. combination, right? The ooey gooey egg. Are they and putting the jelly on everybody's bacon? You have no, to ask for you have to ask for it. Gotcha. But look, okay. when you're in, at these courses with, with their local specialties, sure. the right way to experience the venue is lots of times through the mouth and the belly. Absolutely. You know this. I don't, I, I don't know if you, you heard this, but I sat down with uh, Ernie Andrews from Langston. It was like my third or fourth episode of this, but he told a story of back in the 80s in Mike Tyson's heyday when he, came, he was coming through D.C. Yeah. And he talks about how his host in, in town, this is before he had a house here, but and, and this is, you know, when he, I think he was, you know, the champion. And uh, they brought him to Langston because he was looking for some, some food. He wasn't going there to play golf. Oh. And they go in, he's like, what are we doing here? We're at a golf course. And it was because they were the best wings in town. Yeah. And, that's... and Tyson, Tyson went in there and he, and he chowed down on some wings and loved it. Um, but one, one place to, I don't know if you ever had this, but you ever been out to Henson Creek in Fort Washington? It's a little nine-holer. I have not. They've got, but it's, it's a municipal PG County, little nine-holer. 
um, right, kind of almost in walking distance to Rosecroft Raceway. Okay. But they've got a salmon cake sandwich. Oh. That I think is only, last time I checked, I mean, their, their kitchen's not open right now during the pandemic, but yeah. it was only open, uh, available on weekends. Wow. But one of the more unique um, sandwiches that you'd find at, at a golf course and out of this world. Absolutely yeah. Dynamite. Okay. So put, put that on your That's list. That's on the list. Henson Creek. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, what else? So, you know, 20 it, ounce beers at Sligo. I mean, that's not, in, in the paper, you yeah. know, not the tall paper cups that the hot dog, eh, but the 20 ounce beers there, that was, you know, uh, they uh, played an important part uh, of my uh, development. Sligo is actually, they got a, um, um, a, a pit barbecue guy, like that's renting out the, uh, the kitchen there now they're on the bottom floor. So, oh. uh, I think he was a food truck at first, okay. showing up to the course, like on the weekends in yeah. prime time. And now he's moved into the kitchen. So you can get some good pit barbecue up there. That's a great hit. Um, I haven't been over there in a bit. I mean, one of the things, I mean, obviously before this pandemic, when golf has kind of had an uptick yes. before that, you know, and golf, you know, rounds of golf had kind of been going down. I think a lot of golf courses were trying to be creative in how they could get extra streams of revenue and Sligo is a perfect example of that they were doing concerts like every week and and trying to figure out other ways well they were er, also early movers with the foot golf that's right you know you run into yeah. folks doing that I, I even tried it a couple times Have out you? there yeah just to see you know did you like knows? it no yeah. I, I didn't grow up as a soccer guy so yeah. it's like fine it's fine yeah. I'm not, against, I'm not against it, but I, either, I, have no. not, I have not yeah. tried it yet. It was just something fun to try. Yeah. Do you have any, it's one of the things that I lament a lot since I, you know, I'm cruising around playing different public courses all the time for the, for the most part, is we've lost, we've lost a lot of courses. Yes. You know, there was the Tiger bump and they built a lot of courses. Yep. And then over the last, you know, five, ten years, we've lost a bunch. Any in the area that you, uh, that you played that you miss at all? Two that broke my heart. Um, Beach Tree up um, near uh, Bully Rock yeah. in Harvard Grace, yeah. Maryland, was incredible. An unbelievable gem. Um, the piece of property, the, the variety of terrain, uh, and it was B-E-E-C-H-T-R-E-E. -E -E. And uh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, yeah. um, the owners sold it um, for uh, uh, military um, housing up there um and i just right at I, the aberdeen proving ground right aberdeen there. Yeah, exactly right that's yeah. exactly right um so that was a huge bummer i mean that was we would absolutely get in the car at you know 6 30 in the morning to get up there to play a 9 30 in the morning round drive the 80 minutes to get up there have a breakfast sandwich hit some balls a beautiful golf course cannon ridge down in in uh, fredericksburg yep. was also an incredible um venue and these both of these are like, um, they fit that category of slightly higher end, more of a country club for a day kind of feel. But just because of the amount of resources yeah. that the operators dumped into trying to make them special in terms of design and concept, a local course that um, doesn't seem like, it, that has closed recently, that doesn't seem like it's gonna reopen is Redgate. Yeah, in your backyard, yeah. uh, where you, where, I grew where up you grew up, all the time, yeah. yeah, me me too, um, right there in Rockville. That the city of Rockville uh, owned and operated, uh, owned and operated for a long time. Yeah. It was a money loser, and it the competition from um, other Montgomery County venues. I think you know it kind of fell victim to that, and they're still wrangling with whether or not they want to invest in. The renovation and upkeep of it versus is that right? I, 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 I thought it was a done deal. I didn't, it might be a done I, I, deal. I had lost any hope of it coming back. But, yeah. Um, so before we kept, before we started recording here, we were talking a little bit about your background, and you mentioned that um, you know as a youth in this town, you know you were into the. Uh, 
what, what was the, the music like the scene? independent music scene sure yeah and yeah. this is one of the nice um when you say that is that you know we're talking like dc punk we're talking yeah, dc punk dc D hardcore discord records you discord and, records yeah. absolutely right yeah that that was um all going on as i was uh, a kid in high school and made a lot of great friends um through that scene and just was a huge fan of it and it was like an organic spontaneous thing where kids were really motivated to do it themselves sure they didn't you know this was an, an era where record labels dominated the entire music industry yep. in the 80s and, and early 90s and this was just a group of kids who were like we're just going to go play music and we yeah. anybody who will let us in the door to play music go up on a stage so i was going to shows at the chevy chase community center community centers and in, in, in bethesda libraries uh, and then as the bands, the Fort Reno um, concert series, yep. which is still going on yeah. um, amazingly. Sure. Um, anywhere that the bands could play, um, they would go play. And, you know, we would we would jump in the car and, and go or, or jump on the Metro. Yeah. Um, rock Creek had a little bit of, uh, of that vibe, didn't it? I mean, you, you, wouldn't, you don't think punk rock and, and golf necessarily. They're probably yeah. two of the most, you, you know, on the face of it, they couldn't be more opposite. Um, but you know, in the in the eighties and nineties, Rock Creek had a little bit of a punk vibe. It was am, very am much a, no, it was a do-it-yourself kind of joint. Absolutely yeah. right. I mean, you could go there for very very little money and get on there, and they would let you kind of invent your golf day. And if you wanted to spend you know twelve to fourteen hours there and do the loops and in, in however many uh, variety of ways you wanted to do them and go over to the putting green and you know um, get into some some games that way there that do-it-yourself ethos yeah. absolutely present at rock creek and no frills right we nobody cared no no pretension just get out there and do the thing that you love and do it yourself i love it what else so um so yeah we had a hell of a um U.S. Open just ended this weekend. I, I listened to your podcast last night. Yeah, so uh, incredible. And, and you know, uh, Bryson DeChambeau is such an interesting character um, at the moment. And, you know, all of the discussion and, and dialogue around his style of golf, his approach to golf, and, you know, whether or not it's, it's viable and sustainable and Will he physically be able to withstand the physical duress that he's putting himself through with this kind of uh, um, weight gain and, and speed gain? And at the end of the day, um, and shout out to the Tony Kornheiser podcast, Tony and Michael, you know, on their podcast today, um, we're sort of going through the U.S. Open uh, recap. And Michael mentioned a stat that, that we uh, referenced on our podcast um, last night also, which is the enormous improvement for Bryson, in addition to the speed and everything else, is his putting. Mm -hmm. He went from, you know, mid 150th in the world in strokes gain putting, and he's in the top 10 now. Yep. And the two events that he's won, he's led the field in putting. It's still putting. It's still, you know, you know being in the correct position because he's hit it so far down and then managed through sheer strength and will to have wedges or nine or short irons in his hand to get on the greens in a position to make putts from the correct position. He wasn't above holes yeah. very often. That's obviously, you know, a testament to his game plan, his strategy and his skill. But it is kind of funny to me, this um, immediate, you know, sort of sound the alarm around the, the, the bomb and gouge style of golf. 
Colin Morikawa is not a bomb and gouge guy. No. Stuart <clears throat> Sink, who won uh, one week ago, yep. not a bomb and gouge guy. Jim Herman, who won in Sedgefield, you know, preceding yep. the FedEx Cup playoffs, not a bomb and gouge guy. There's room for all variety sure. and strengths. Now, I absolutely understand and sympathize with the criticism of, you know, the advances in technology and the ball and what impact that has on um, competitive golf and, and, and the golf course and all of that. I personally, just me talking, I think of golf as something professional golf, golf that's on TV. I just like to watch it. Yeah. And what I like is the competition. And the competition, to, to me, it's a level playing field every single time the guys go out at a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's kind of proven out by the variety of winners and the variety of skills that the winners bring to the table. Now, Dustin Johnson's tear lately you know suggests uh, you know that that style of golf and is, is uh um and 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 you know you the, the last four u.s open winners brooks kepka gary woodland dustin johnson bryson dechambeau they all fit a certain sure. you know sort of yeah. profile yeah yeah absolutely um bryson might be a, he might be a good candidate for like maybe your first crossover between your two podcasts <laughs> yeah, house of carbs well i don't know i mean he, he's he's definitely his own unique house of carbs there's sure. no two ways about it the number of, of calories that he consumes every day and his particular food consumption game plan i do think that there's an opportunity uh to get some insight there phil mickelson's another one you know sure. phil uh we talked about him on the pod also i you know he's sort of slowly morphing from um, professional golfer to professional marketer, um, which yeah. is fine because he's great at it and yeah. he's hilarious, but his coffee brand and what he's doing in terms of nutrition and his sort of later in life uh, um, recognition of how important diet is. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I don't that, know anything about it. He's got a coffee brand? He's I mean, got a coffee brand that he's launched because he lost all of this weight, you know, a year ago right. by going on this this diet and, and using, you know, the combination of, of certain um, nutritional elements, oils and mm-hmm. powder and you know just trying to get the right sort of combination of but basically it was like calorie deprivation right. um, with some important uh, fortifying uh, vitamins and, and, and minerals and then using coffee as kind of the vehicle for sating his diet until until he ate but uh, he, the lines coming out I'm, I'm sure. excited to give it a try yeah absolutely. Uh, what about what about Joe house are you are you a bomb and gouge guy <laughs> I am not I am I am a dink and dunk guy <laughs> Uh, as a uh, homegrown player and a homegrown swing, the first lesson I had in my entire life was during law school or after law school when a girlfriend at the time bought me lessons. So I went a full like 10 years in my golf career without ever having professional eyes on my swing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, at that point in time, I, you know, I loved the game when I was a kid. We would go to the University of Maryland, that driving range there. Um, and, and smack balls off, off the, uh, the mats. Um, and then that was back when the, the, the pond that sits between number two and number 10 used to have fish in it. So you could hit some balls, you know, a 15, 16 year old, you could hit some balls at like four o'clock in the afternoon and they would let you walk. You could walk. It's not that they would let you. Yeah. We didn't ask permission sure. with our fish. We'd bring our golf clubs and our fishing rods and go over there, there and try and catch some. But I didn't get eyes on my swing. So I have a homegrown, homemade swing. I am, I've been excited. I got myself all the way down to a low 10 handicap um, okay. this year. 
uh, through the sheer volume of rounds. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not what anybody would say is a power player. I have decent hands, good hand-eye coordination. There you go. I mean, that's you know, good short game. That's all you need. No, yeah. You, yeah I, I, I would, I would willing to bet we've never played before, but uh, right. we're probably pretty similar. We're going to write that I, wrong. Yeah, yeah. we're going to correct I, I, that. I would, lo- I would love to do that. Yeah, uh, but no, my, my handicap is in the same ballpark, but going the wrong direction. Well, I, I just, <laughs> I just put in two rounds that were like you know eight, eight, eight or nine strokes higher than because it's because it's golf and yeah. golf is hard. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, um, one of at the ringer you mentioned this. Earlier, Earlier, uh, David Chang. Yes. Who is, is, is he has a podcast as part of the, the Ringer Network? Or he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he, Dave Chang's got a lot of stuff going on, yeah. but um, he wanted to do something in terms of, of a podcast, and, and there was a natural um, link. He was out in LA, he opened up a restaurant in LA, and he had some friends in common with Bill Simmons, and they got to know each other and immediately became friends. I had met Dave Chang before Bill met him. <clears throat> Um, and we have the common connection here to the to the DMV. Sure. And you know, Dave grew up playing golf. Yeah. Was a nationally ranked junior. Yeah. Back in way back in the day, playing out in Vienna and McLean, where he was raised. His dad founded Golfdom. Yeah, I had the owner of Golfdom. That's on, right. You had we, Buddy and, on. And, yeah, Buddy told the whole story. Buddy's the I, best. Yeah, a lot. Of, I mean, I knew a little bit about that, but not. I mean, he gave us the whole story. It was yeah. Really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but Dave Chang, but he also, he had Momofuku DC. He did. Uh, which unfortunately closed. Did, I don't, was that pandemic related or not? It was. It was, it was 100%. Yeah, he, he went to the, uh, well, I don't want to tell tales out of school. Sure. He couldn't come to an agreement with the landlord. Let's yeah, just sure. put it that way. Yeah, yeah. There was, they couldn't reach, re, you know, terms that made sense. But obviously this is, you know, this is extremely, you know, there's a lot of industries getting hurt. Um, you know, much worse than others with everything yes. going on. But the restaurant industry is certainly one of them, obviously. Um, and so especially independent restaurants. Yeah. I mean, the chains all have access to capital and access to banks and access to stimulus and all that. Yeah. It's the regular folks that have been out, you know, just had a kind of a dream, wanted to, to, to do food as their way of making a living. Yeah. They're having the, the, the toughest challenges, and that's who we've been trying, my family, yeah. in terms of, like, during the pandemic, who are we going to order food from when, yeah. you, when you have that choice between a, a chain or somebody that's been in the D.C. area for a long time yeah. doing their best. Um, no, I guess we're always choosing the local. That's good policy that everybody should should, should adapt. I know that, you know, a lot of the I – ju- I just learned there was – I worked in the restaurant industry for, for a long time in the, um, in this city. Oh, okay. I, was, I, I bartended for, for more, care, more years than I care to. to are you allowed to stay where? Sure, I bartended at multiple places. The, the most well-known place, it, it's funny, I was joking with my buddies the other day, you know, I bartended maybe six or seven places in the city. There's only one that's still open. Yeah. Uh, but that one's Madam's Organ in, in D.C. Oh, I, I bartended at Madam's Organ in, awesome. in the early 2000s. But one of, one of the ones that you'll get kicked out was, do you remember the, it was right next to, at then it was called the MCI Center, The Rock. The Rock. It was right on 7th Street. Yes, yes, I remember The yeah, Rock. It right sure. On, yes, it was a real skinny three-story yeah, building, yeah, but yeah. this was back when... There wasn't a whole lot down there. Yeah. It was right when, when A. Poland opened up the MCI Center and you had, um, what's the, yeah, the Irish Bar on 6th Street, Fado. Fado, which is closed now. Which is closed. Yeah. You had the brewery, the District Chop House. Yep. You had a Fuddruckers. Yes, that's and that, right. And that was kind of it. That was kind of it. And then Joe Englert, who actually just, just yeah, recently passed. Yeah, I saw passed. that. R.I.P. Joe Englert. Yeah, so he owned The Rock, and I worked for him for a little while, and it was a sports bar, three stories, yeah, right I, in the shadow of, course, of the MCI Center. Of course, I remember. And it was such a hilarious place, because literally, like, what he would do is he would take, like, old Sports Illustrateds and take, like, the full picture out of a page 
and he would just rip it out and stick it in a frame that he got from Goodwill. <laughs> and that was like the, that, that, that was, was the, on the decor walls. on the walls. The decor of the whole entire place. But yeah, we used to get the Caps would come in and play bubble boy tournaments, and it was it was a, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, but restaurants are strange. One of the places. My first place has ever worked at, the, I don't know if you, at Flanagan's in Bethesda, Maryland. Sure, I know Flanagan's. Old Irish bar. And they just announced, due to the pandemic, they've done it for 35 years, and, and they're closing down God, you know, just like last week. So, it just sucks. Um, it's, it's certainly a tough time for restaurants. But um, but to golf, listen, this this has been great. Thank uh, you for I, having me. Absolutely. It's been, I, I, I can't wait to play. Yeah, we should. Well, let's, get, let's get out and play. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you uh, supporting this little fledgling uh, Beltway Golfer podcast. Keep, keep doing your thing. I love it. I mean, I, it, this is, um, you know, a, a uh, your commitment to shining a light on sort of underreported stories. I loved that you had on um, the, what's the podcast, the DMV guys? Uh, Golf DMV. Golf DMV. I yeah. love that, the, those guys. Uh, and, yeah, and those their guys podcast. are great. They're hilarious. Yeah, and they've been at it for a long time, but you know, it's not you, you, like getting the word out isn't sure. that easy. So, so much of it is so much of it is intertwined. Like, yes, uh, uh, Claude, who who found it, who's like the main kind yeah. of leader of the Golf DMV, he does some work with Kornheiser. Because I know he's in that industry. You're, and then, I know, and I only I only met him. Uh, I had listened to their podcast, but I met him at a National Links Trust event oh, at Chatter. Wow. Oh wow! Because they were and they were the reason they held it at Chatter was because Andy Johnson from the Fried Egg was yes. in town and he was going to interview uh, Mike and Will yep. on the podcast when Tony had his had his studio in Chatter, yep. which, you know, I'm sure you did the same back when it was Chadwick's. You know, I used to, the amount of times I saw Last Call there oh, was, you know. That, uh, 100%. Was, <laughs> a, a lot of times, a lot of a Last number, Calls there. It's, that's it's, right. You know, it's a, it's a small town. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's, it's uh, part of the charm. That's right. Uh, well, this has been awesome. I appreciate it, Joe, very much. And uh, Mr. Beltway, anytime you you put out the signal, I'm there. Love it. Appreciate. Don't have a good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a I'm a regular dude living in D.C. and I want to know about D.C. centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I don't want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about DC golf.